and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 77th episode of the podcast for the week of November 11th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back Oakland-based astrologer and tarot practitioner, Annalisa Six, who will join me in a discussion on depression and astrology. And it was so perfectly timed as we recorded this during the first quarter moon in Aquarius and, and in last week's Mars, Pluto square. So it definitely has that flavor <laughs> to the recording, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, so before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast or show notes, you can do so over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. You can also make a one-time donation to this podcast if you would like to show support. And you can do that through Mel's tip jar, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week growing in maximum brightness in the fixed earth sign of Taurus as she heads to her early morning full moon in the sign of the bull on Tuesday. She then begins her waning cycle and skips into Gemini on Wednesday, where she will spend the next few days in this chatty and communicative space until moving into the sensitive waters of Cancer on Friday. She will then swim through these security-oriented streams for a majority of the weekend before entering the fixed fires of Leo midday on Sunday. Now, just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, you know, add about 17 hours or kind of consider it the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, my friends, we do have an active week before us, that is for sure. Uh, And, you know, Mercury is making the rounds this week as, uh, you know, who is retrograde and is going to make an inferior conjunction with the sun, uh, an extra special one, which we'll get into here in a second, but we'll also go on to sextile Saturn and trine Neptune. The Sun will also make a sextile to Pluto, and Mars will make a sextile to Jupiter. And we have Venus, who will be squaring Neptune, uh, while we also have an exalted full moon in Taurus. So let us waste no time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Taurus, and she will make a sextile to Neptune and a trine to Saturn. Also of note, we have Mercury, uh, who is retrograde and making an inferior conjunction with the sun, which is big news here. Uh, and you know, I... This is going to be a recap from last week, as I did touch on this in last week's episode. But, you know, just for a reminder here, if there's any new listeners out there, uh, that, you know, Mercury is that perception, that information coming in. It's the communications, news, uh, when we learn something. Um, And that is creating a new cycle with the sun. And the sun is about turning a page and when we become consciously aware. uh, And there's a, a, a life force and a vitality at play. So, you know, now this is just a recap as I discussed this transit in last week's podcast, but it bears mentioning again because of its rarity. Now, this is a special inferior conjunction of Mercury and the Sun, as Mercury is in a unique unique place in its orbital period that creates an eclipse-like effect, which is known as an occultation with the Sun. So not only is Mercury closest to Earth, but it is also fusing with the Sun by longitude and latitude in a rare event that only takes place 14 times in the 21st century. And so this will be the fourth occurrence of this phenomenon since 20 uh, or since 2000 uh, with the last time Mercury uh, having made this position on May 9th of 2016 and so uh, which is interesting because that happened at 19 degrees of Taurus which just happens to be uh, Tuesday's full moon position <laughs> now the two are not intertwined but the synchronicity is fascinating nonetheless especially as the Sun and Mercury are meeting uh, in the exact opposite point at 18 degrees of Scorpio. So this uh, occultation is literally opposite of what the 2016 one was. Now, these Mercury transits have specific 13-year and 33-year intervals. So, you know, we will not experience this again until November 13th of 2032. So, you know, This is one of those kind of extra special uh, moments, not only because Mercury and the Sun are in this position, but this one in particular, because this one will be the closest to the center of the Sun's disk than any of the other Sun-Mercury occultations. So, you know, fascinating indeed. So see what message is transferred to you at this time as Mercury is fusing with the sun in this underworld rebirth journey. And so there is likely to be extra, you know, mercurial power at play. So definitely be paying attention in the early part of uh of Monday to see what comes in. And if you do have, you know, special glasses and binoculars, you know, you can actually look, at least from the position of uh North America, you can look at uh the Mercury Uh, going over the sun, much like an eclipse, uh, you know, how you'd view an eclipse. So super cool. Now, the bottom line for Monday is that Luna is growing in light and strengthening in mission as she waxes towards her full moon position. Now, the sun, Mercury, Saturn, and Neptune, that story is becoming activated today as Mercury seeds with the sun. So I consider this to be a rewarding time that brings forth a new sense of stability, direction, and purpose. Communications, uh, you know, in general are highlighted, not only with others, but also our own internal dialogue. So taking a time out for meditation or a moment to kind of connect with spirit is likely to help provide us with the feeling that our foundations are strengthening and we are headed in the right direction. 
Now, on Tuesday, of course, we have that full moon in Taurus, uh, and she will also, uh, so basically, Luna will oppose Mercury, uh, oppose the sun, which is our full moon, and then make a trine to Pluto, and all that happens super early in the morning. Uh, Now, of course, we have our full moon in Taurus here, but we also have Mars making a sextile to Jupiter on Tuesday. So let's start with our full moon, and then we'll get to the Mars-Jupiter story. So our full moon will perfect at 5.34 a.m. here, Pacific time. So it's a pretty early in the day here in North America. And it will happen at 19 degrees and 52 minutes of Taurus. Now, I always will remind you that I write a more in-depth article for all, you know, all the new moons and full moons. Uh, so if you want those sent straight to your inbox, consider signing up for my mailing list, which you can find at energeticprinciples.com. Or you can always take, you know, be on the lookout for when it posts and check it out over there. Now, so here we have a full moon taking place in her sign of exaltation, because Taurus is, you know, a strong sign for the moon there, uh, but also in her own Deccan, as well as the bounds of Jupiter, which we'll get to that Jupiter story here in a second. So I feel that this is a strengthening and stabilizing full moon after a rocky period where we could, you know, all kind of use a little peace in our lives. So part of the success to be found at this culmination actually lies in opening our arms to fortune and being able to receive the goodness on offer. And sometimes that lies in surrendering to the beauty of the simple things in life, like a feeling of security or contentedness or a groundedness of purpose that helps solidify our path. All the personal planets are wrapped up in this lunation, especially Venus in her square to Neptune, which I will get into in a little bit here. But first, let's discuss the opportunity uh, with Mars and Jupiter. So here we have on Tuesday, Mars sextile Jupiter. And Mars, you know, that's our warrior. That's what we're going after. It's where we're asserting ourselves, where we are uh, motivated and focusing our action. And sextiles, you know, they open the door. They provide an opportunity. Uh, But you kind of have to take the initiative yourself. Luckily, Mars is good at taking initiative. Uh, So where are we opening that door? Well, that is Jupiter. And Jupiter always wants to expand our horizons and to, you know, provide Provide growth and movement in our lives. So here we have our action energy opening the door to the progress and growth that Jupiter, uh, you know, in his final days in Sagittarius, keep that in mind, uh, you know, has to offer. So this is the first planetary aspect other than the moon that has contacted Jupiter since the sun made the same sextile uh, from Libra back on our full moon in Aries on October 13th. So you may find that there is a picking up of conscious energy from the point in time, or at least that point in time, and now agendas are kind of being set in motion. You know, maybe what we became aware of at the full moon last month is now kind of being activated and, you know, actual steps taken to uh, in this month. So we are likely feeling more positive in how things are playing out and where there may have been struggles with others, there is now support to kind of work and grow together. Confidence is higher, and there is a general optimism we can channel into many areas of our lives, particularly wherever Mars and Jupiter are touching down in your own chart. So find your version of satisfaction at this time and steadily move towards it. Make a final push where you need to and bask in a job well done as there's a sense of progress at this time. 
So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that we are apexing off an early morning full moon, uh, which will have, you know, that energy that's going to settle uh, and stabilize us as we go through the motions of the day. Now, Luna will be void, of course, throughout this period. So we are able to kind of find a steady and productive speed that we can take advantage of and, you know, build energy off of. Uh, kind of, you know, layering upon things. Um, But our emotional energy is settling into the changing dynamic because, you know, the last aspect the moon made was a trine to Pluto. Uh, And so we are, you know, kind of feeling into that that notion of solidity uh, and and keeping focused on the task at hand. So I think Tuesday will be quite productive. Now, on Wednesday, uh, we have the moon now in Gemini, and there will be no lunar aspects that are taking place, um, but we do have Mercury, who is retrograding back, to make a sextile with Saturn and a trine to Neptune. Now, we also have the sun making a sextile to Pluto this day as well. So you can see, you know, we got a lot of sextiles and trines this week. Um, So there is this flow of motion at play. So let's get into this Mercury retrograde story first, because we already know what Mercury's doing with that, you know, that learning and communicating and, uh, you know, the perceptions that are coming in and information and news. Well, once again, we're opening that sextile door. Well, Mercury is opening the door to Saturn. And Saturn's all about, you know, what's the bigger plan at play? What are we committing to? Uh, Our structure of our life, our routine, our responsibilities, our uh, inner authority, um, you know, the long term and consolidation. But there's also a trine, which is flowing as well to Neptune. And Neptune is more of that spiritual inspiration uh, and, you know, kind of the antithesis of Saturn, where it removes boundaries. Saturn puts them up, Neptune knocks them down. So there is, you know, there's a building and a a consolidation, but also a a dissolving um, and kind of, you know, diffusing type of energy at play. So, you know, here comes Mercury, fresh off that inferior sun conjunction, a very special conjunction at that, to revisit the Saturn-Neptune configuration that the sun touched down on last week and where Mercury had already passed around the time of the the full moon uh, back in Aries on October 13th. Um, So here we are kind of back at this, you know, because Mercury's already hit this point, right? So Mercury... which is so funny that, you know, both Mercury, uh, Saturn, Neptune are lining up with that uh, Jupiter action the last time from Aries full moon. So there's a lot of kind of full moon transference, I think, within these past two months. Um, But I digress. (laughs) So here we're back to this retrograde hit, you know, Mercury's coming back to revisit these energies, especially after that conjunction with the sun. So I'd say that whatever was coming to the conscious surface for you last week, you know, with the sun transit, because the sun made that same Saturn-Neptune hit as Saturn was making its own sextile to Neptune. So, you know, now we're we're seeded into that Mercury's reintegration of the retrograde mission, right? It's, you know, we're... the. The pages are turning and the story is developing here. So new evidence is in and we are wrapping our heads around the next leg of our plan. Now that there is fresh inspiration and revised soul transmissions. So we can use this time to heal and ground as we surrender to new emotional perceptions and ways of operating in the workaday world. 
we are simultaneously strengthening ourselves by letting go in some areas and building in others. Yet mostly the factors of change, you know, are at play. And this is where the Sun and Pluto come in. So here we have the Sun making a sextile to Pluto. So that life force, that conscious awareness that, you know, turns the page is opening the door to Pluto. And Pluto's all about a transforming type of energy where we instinctually uh, feel things in our lives and we are presented with, uh, you know, situations that require change of us. But ultimately, we're trying to purify our energy so that it's in better integrity. So here comes the sun to touch down with the transforming clarity of Pluto as we have the opportunity to purify our vision and lead the way towards changing conditions that are more aligned with the you of today. So our instinctual self is providing breadcrumbs as we turn the page of our lives to help support and grow our inner emotional integrity in the outer world. So trust that whatever is shifting at this time is helping to stabilize your story in a productive and rewarding way. Particularly as, you know, down the road, these two will not meet again until the Sun, Mercury, Saturn, Pluto conjunction in mid-January, which will be a pivotal time indeed. So there is a lead-up of what here uh, to what we're going to experience uh, in mid-January. So the bottom line for Wednesday is is that energy speeds up, you know, now that Luna is in the heady and communicative space of Gemini. Yet we have another in-between energy type of day as Luna is making no aspects in the skies. Now, Mercury and the Sun are speaking, though, and under a Gemini, you know, moon, uh, that is heading towards an opposition with Venus early tomorrow morning, you can bet that there will be a social communicative, and transactional flavor to the day. So entertain the back-and-forth motion of thought at play and remain emotionally adaptable to whatever it is that you encounter, for I think those guidelines will put us all in a good place. Now, on Thursday, the moon is in Gemini still, uh, but she will make an opposition to Venus and a square to Neptune uh, on this day. So she's, she's talking once again. Now, Venus and Neptune are also talking because this very same day, uh, Venus squares Neptune in the skies. So let's talk about that. You know, Venus, she's our relationship planet. She's where, uh, you know, how we open up and draw in, uh, where we are attracted, uh, where we are balancing and harmonizing and relating in life. Now, squares are always going to bring action and and events and and challenge or friction to the surface. Uh, So Venus here is being challenged by Neptune. And once again, Neptune is, is that spiritual inspiration, but it's also, you know, there's a dissolving factor to it. There's a confusing factor to it. Uh, And sometimes there is a loss that is involved as well. So our desire energy is attracting in a spiritualizing influence as Venus and Neptune activate in two Jupiter-ruled signs. So yeah, it's all in the name of growth, as they say. (laughs) So whenever Neptune is involved, there is extra impressionability in the air, along with doubt and possible disillusion. So do be sure to defog your rose-colored glasses, especially on Thursday. 
Now, we may be challenged by our personal longings and whether or not we believe and have faith in the changing conditions. And there may be a back and forth vibe at play where we hop from feeling enthusiastic and inspired uh, one minute and then anxious and unsure the next. So take your time with the transit and find ways to, you know, bring creativity to the forefront in your life as there is strong dream energy at play. You may just want to take a breather and spend time in a spiritually-based activity that can help you uh, relax and draw in the pleasures of the soul. So making time for an adventure involving water could definitely do the trick this week. So, you know, do note that this transit is is coloring the full moon that happened a few days prior because uh, it was building as the full moon happened. So you can add this, uh, you know, delineation, delineation to uh, emphasis into the potential brewing of the Taurus full moon. Whew, that was a mouthful. All right. Bottom line for Thursday is that the moon in Gemini highlights the Venus-Neptune action by forming a T-square in the skies. So there's likely to be some emotional tension at play today. As this is a mutable T-square, some of the tension may be centered around shifting energy and where we are going next and how adaptable we are in this process. Neptune can dissipate our energies as well, especially if we try to figure out things, you know, too much from a logical perspective, when really we just need to go with the flow and feel into what lies under the surface. So take your time today, and if you feel anxious or uncertain, meditation and mindfulness may help shift any unsettled energy. Now, on Friday, the moon is in Gemini, but she will move to Cancer uh, later in the evening, kind of much later in the evening. So most of Friday is in that Gemini space. But along the way, she makes an opposition to Jupiter, a trine to Mars, and then a sextile to Uranus once she gets into Cancer. So the bottom line for Friday is, is that growth happens while we sleep. So pay attention to any dreams that come up. We are likely to wake up re-energized from the day before, and the mental space will be occupied with new directives and ideas and that we kind of want to move towards now. It's a bit of a two-part day as we spend much of it in the tail end of Gemini before moving into the intuitive waters of Cancer, uh, where Luna will receive that opportunistic transmission from Uranus that seeks to awaken and stimulate our emotional intelligence. So listen in for intuitive hits late on Friday, as there may be supportive aha moments coming through. Now on Saturday, the moon is in Cancer, and she will trine Mercury— try Neptune, and then oppose Saturn and Pluto later in the day. So the bottom line for Saturday is that greater emotional awareness and healing energy is on offer today as the moon in Cancer forms a grand trine, a grand water trine, with Mercury retrograde in Scorpio and Neptune in Pisces. Now, it may be a little slow going uh, and on the spiritual side in the first half of the day, yet later in the afternoon, we come back down to Earth as we are confronted with the commitments of Saturn and the intense realities of Pluto. Uh, So there may be activity in the outer sphere going on, yet most of the, you know, today's power lies in what is flowing on the inside with that grand water trine, you know. So remain receptive to the intuitive and sensory information at play. 
Now, on Sunday, the moon is in Cancer, but she will move to Leo about midday, uh, around 2 p.m. here on Pacific Coast. Now, along the way, she'll trine the sun, and then she'll go on to square Mars and square Uranus. So the bottom line for Sunday is here we have a two-part day, as the first half is spent in the tail end of Cancer, and where we are likely feeling, you know, pretty good as Luna makes an early morning trine to the sun. Now, that is likely to change a bit once she moves into Leo and makes a T-square to Mars and Uranus. So you can expect some disruption or eruption to be at play. Now, Mars is currently at the tested last degree of Libra on Sunday, uh, as he is prepared to move into Scorpio in just a day's time. And since he will be, you know, the last to oppose Uranus and Taurus, as all the planets have done up until now, this lunar period is likely to get that transit party started. So watch for tests of assertion and or aggression in relationships in the latter half of Sunday, as there will likely be drama and tension in the air. Now, to wrap it all up here, you know, there is a myriad of stimulus at play as we find ourselves starting, stabilizing, and shifting all in one week, and where we are likely to feel a bit back and forth with the energies at play. Overall, though, Spirit is speaking from behind the veil, and Mercury Retrograde is helping us to reflect on and sink in the messages that are being received. So stay open to what comes in, and embrace a revised emotional perspective. Now let's take a look at the cards because they always add a little something something to what we're talking about here. And this week I drew the Four of Swords as the focus and the Hanged Man as the grounding. Now with the Four of Swords as the focus, we are going to want to seek refuge for the mind and find ways to alleviate strife in our lives. Now, with all the fours, there's a sense of order or structure at play, and now it may be time to put up some walls or barriers so that you can be able to find your inner wisdom by blocking out stimulus that may normally keep you from being in a state of crystal clarity. The mind and our connection to our own power is finding stability this week, yet we need to give it the time and space to do so. So rest, meditation, and taking time outs whenever we can will help this process along. So if you are finding yourself in a conflict at this time, the wisest approach may be to call a truce in the matter and take some time away to recoup. Now with the hangman as the grounding, this week has a flavor of surrendering to what is and trying to find new angles and perspectives to view our lives from. Part of where we may need clarity with the four will lie in what we need to sacrifice and surrender from our lives. For when we let go and turn things upside down, we gain greater wisdom in the process. And it's not always easy to let go of something or to release our previous vision to support a new perception. But by doing so, we further align with a divine intention and open up a pathway to our innate sixth sense, which can guide us through this process. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the rat. 
our dear little rodent friend is back again with the message that being true to yourself is the magic formula to access the rewards that the universe has in store for you. You know, and being true to yourself is essentially uh, the definition of integrity. (laughs) So, you know, it's not easy being a rat. Rats get a bad rap and can be misunderstood, even though they are highly intelligent creatures that serve a purpose. So, you know, take comfort in that when you find pushback from following your personal truth, you know, not everyone may like it or approve, and that's okay. Uh, But that doesn't mean it's any less valid. So, and it's not your problem, really, (laughs) you know. Other people's acceptance is not your problem. So take care of what the self needs and embrace your personal mission. And take on only what you can handle at this time, for we are all going through a period of reconfiguration in these morphing energies. So align with your noblest intentions, and you can't go wrong. All right, so now a little time for announcements. Uh, we had a fabulous uh, lecture at SDAS by Adam Gainsburg last week. So, you know, definitely check him out. He's going to be on the podcast here in the somewhat near future. So keep an ear out. He's a fabulous astrologer. Uh, and then also, you know, if you are in Southern California and San Diego in specific, uh, come on down to join SDAS because we have a lively group and have a lot of fun. And we have a solstice party that is happening on Friday the 13th of December. And so we are going to be partying and celebrating the turn of the year. So come check us out. Uh, I also have my Astro Story Time, which is going to be launching uh, this week, or not launching, but the, you know, a new episode. Uh, and I, I'm still finalizing the topics, but I promise you it will be good. And so, you know, for $6 a month, you get to support this podcast, get early access, and also get access to my one-hour program where I, you know, look at different celebrity charts. I look at charts of the moment. Um, I've looked at, you know, all types of different things through my, you know, unique astrological lens. So it's a great learning opportunity. Uh, There's plenty of visuals um, and just, you know, good stories involved because I love a good story. So uh, I can, you know, consider checking that out because, uh, you know, it helps, it could help you and it can help me at the same time. Um, So you can find that over at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome back this week's very special guest. We have Annalisa Six back with us. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me again. How, what are we up to? Five, six, 20? Yeah, I think five, <laughs> five sounds right, I think. It's a nice finger full of hands yeah. <laughs> or finger worth there. Uh, so if you don't get what I'm saying, I'm saying that she has been on this podcast a handful of times before. And I think last time we talked about Jupiter um, back in August. Does that sound right? Yeah. I yeah. Early, the first week of August or something. Yeah. When we yeah. had we had a nice Jupiter week coming and Annalisa's got that nice Sagittarius, Jupiter, you know, ascendant. So I was like, come talk to me about Jupiter. <laughs> Love it. He's like, gladly. Um, now, before we get started here on our uh, our hot topic, which was actually spurred uh, by you, you're the one who like did a post. Uh, she talk, was talking about uh, depression in a post and on Instagram. And I was just like, oh, 
need to do an episode on this because basically her post was speaking to me. And then I was like, I know this is going to speak to other people. <laughs> so that I'm excited to jump into the topic of, uh, you know, depression, but also the astrology related around uh, uh, depression that we, you know, most of us go through. So before we get into this hot topic, will you give the listeners that maybe haven't heard of you before a little, a little quick background on yourself? Yeah, um, I live in Oakland, California currently with my husband, and I've been studying astrology uh, in a professional sense for the last three and a half years um, with a lifelong uh, superficial interest in it, I would say. (laughs) And then I um, have been studying the tarot for about 12 years around roughly, and I'm a professional tarot reader as well. And I also walk dogs during the day with behavioral issues. I've been doing that for about five years. And I'm a musician, which kind of will play into some of our topic today yeah. with depression, <laughs> being a mystic and an artist and uh, the ways that that ties into uh, our mental health as well in this capitalistic day and age. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about me. And that's kind of how I know you is through music and astrology. Yeah. Yeah, we we <laughs> we're both walking down that musician, uh, you know, mystic path together, and that you know that's a watery path, <laughs> and that's kind of something we'll be talking about here as far as um, you know signatures of depression go, because us water folk, you know, we're so permeable, uh, and a lot so much gets in that it can be hard sometimes to um, <laughs> you know uh, get through outside you know, stimulus and how it affects on the inside and, and many of those things. But we make such beautiful music, right? Would, we'd never have the fabulous music that we have if we didn't have, you know, us water babies out there. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, there's always, there's always a silver lining within any gray cloud there. Um, and that's, that's actually something to remember throughout this talk is there's always a silver lining without, you know, in any gray cloud. Um, now, I have been asking people what got them into astrology, but Annalise has already done this. So if you want to hear her story about you know, how she got entered into this mystical realm, uh, you can go back to the Jupiter episode because uh, I've just really been enjoying everybody's stories. I think it's fascinating how we're all initiated. It is fascinating, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all meant to be. All right, so... Let me get all cheery and talk about depression. <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's talk about this depression yeah. here. <laughs> Where do we even start? It's such a it's such a loaded uh, a loaded topic. But um, it actually I got triggered by it uh, reading your post um, about seasonal depression. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think um, one of the things. So the thing I love about talking about this subject in relation to astrology is that I think depression started becoming not so dismal and. Uh, depressing once I started learning astrology because when I learned about my own astrological placements and how that manifested it kind of gave me this framework of like oh here's what I can do with that and one of the books that um, inspired me to kind of like lean into depression versus beating myself up for it was Mysteries of the Dark Moon by Demetra George. Yes. And that book I think is very positive for trying to understand the cyclic nature of um, our 
seasons and in relation to celestial energy and then the mythology that kind of helps you give this like archetypal journey into you know the underworld of the self and how you can develop a strong positive relationship to that underworld instead of feeling like it's something you're supposed to be resisting and when um this time of year in that series uh demeter persephone story Mm -hmm. the greek mythos I think that it's it helps the brain to think about um, the winter being you know the underworld time and that the reason why we start feeling seasonally sluggish and depressed and slow is because we're supposed to be in this underworld hibernating emotional state and then when spring and summer comes you know it's Demeter getting to celebrate her daughter coming back into life and we're celebrating life and we're active and we're chippery. And I know not everybody feels that way all the time. Some people still feel depressed in the summer and some people like the winter. I grew up actually really enjoying the winter more than the summer when I was a kid. But, um, you know, vitamin D is really something that we need after a while. (laughs) True. (laughs) My probably vitamin D deficiency as a child maybe is what converted me to liking the summer more. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So I would say that like, uh, in terms of of seasonal depression and relating to seasonal depression for more of an archetypal place, astrology and studying the equinoxes and the solstices and what they represented um, in mythology and through ancient cultures can kind of give us a more positive relationship to depression where we're just slowing down and being spiritual and introverted and introspective without judgment and kind of leaning into melancholy in a positive way. Yeah. Because we can't be up all the time, right? You know, like that's it's just like the seasons. There is a, there's a time when you know the sun is out and shining, and then there's also a time when everything, like you said, is slowing down, and and it needs uh you know some sort of a rest. And you know our our world doesn't work that way now, does it? <laughs> and this is I'm going to say with the invention of a you know maybe may bold here with the invention of electricity. You know when we just oh, yeah. think about we're, we've got a different relationship with light, um, as, as a species, uh, and we're just in perpetual light. And the reality is, is that, you know, like you're saying with the, with the particular seasons, especially, you know, fall, we feel it coming on, but especially in the winter months, which is very interesting when we think about the winter months, because we're looking at Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, you know, two Saturn ruled signs and then Pisces, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, so it's, it speaks not only in just the nature of the cycle and the seasons, but also, you know, when, when we're going to be talking about these signs and stuff too. So uh, it's hard, you know, where do you find time to slow down when the, you know, the world won't let you (laughs) (laughs) to some extent. So I think like one of the things that just came to me and thinking about that is just like things are literally dying around us. Hmm. Like the earth is dying, the trees are dying, the plants are dying, and some aren't. Like I think like there's some fruits that come during this time, especially in California. But I think that's a frequency that we're so not engaged with. Yeah. As a collective, at least in the West, because we're, we're so go, go, go and light oriented that we're not looking around and honoring it. We like it. Like, I think we like the smell. We like the colors. We are seeing the beauty, but we're not actually like connecting with the frequency of death in a way that's frontal lobe activated. We're just kind of feeling it and then getting depressed or getting like, why do I feel this way? 
Yeah, because at that point, there's some sort of disconnect going on, right? You're like, well, maybe something's wrong with me if, you know, everything's going, <laughs> you know, you, I still got to do this, but I'm just not going at the same speed I was, or I don't have the same interest. And, you know, because that's one of the things with depression is essentially, you know, you start to pull back. Uh, you may become more apathetic about things. It's hard to care as much. Um, and they're just like, uh, you know, a receding, like uh, just ma- kind of imagine a flower dying in a sense where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, finding the balance there, and that can be a hard, you know, hard thing for some people. And, and you know, I do want to say like one of the caveats with all this is that you know, some people are more, uh, you know, prone to depression overall, but you know, no one is immune. There's always, so, so the goal here is at least in this talk today, in my mind is, you know, uh, not for, you know, Annalisa and I to be experts of any sorts If anything, we're experts on the sense of going through it ourselves. Um, but this is rather to be an open dialogue, uh, to let others know that, you know, you're not alone in, in depression can make you feel like you're alone and, and you're not because so many of us are, are afflicted with it. Uh, and really so many of us, especially in, in the seasonal time when we're almost supposed to be, you know? So there is that. Now, a couple other things besides seasonal, if you're like, oh, like you were saying earlier, you know, summer and you're not feeling so hot there. Uh, there are different types of depressions. There are one of the most common ones you hear of is, you know, major depressive order or, or disorder, um, which is just, you know, it's longer than two weeks. It's just kind of chronic in that sense. Um, there's bipolar depression, which a lot of people know as manic depression, where it's more of swings up and down, um, where you can be super high and then go into the low, super low of the depression. A lot of people suffer from postpartum depression when they have babies and, you know, your life has changed and you're like, oh my God, what, <laughs> you know, and, and that's a big thing. And a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of mothers probably more out there than are actively speaking, go through that as well. Um, or premenstrual, there's even like, you know, <laughs> when you have that, like, as if you're not a lady, you might not get this, but some of, some ladies, you know, right before that starts, there's something there too. Uh, and then there's a typical depression, which is, can just kind of come on maybe through stresses and things along those lines. So there's many different types of depressions. Um, but I feel like we're kind of tapping into maybe the longer end of things. What do you think? Yeah, I guess for me, as somebody that feels like a longer ended depression person, and then the people that I chose to research for this <laughs> podcast, I'd say also fell into that category. Um, but yeah, I think some people don't experience depression until later on sometimes in life uh, for whatever reason. And I think that you were saying at the beginning, like sometimes people don't even know that they have depression and then it kind of sneaks up on you. It is kind of like that. For me, even with somebody who's had it most of my life, it sneaks up on me a lot of times or I won't, you know, I won't even want to call it that a lot of times because I'll be like, I'm not feeling that way. And then a few weeks go by and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, same word. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yes, and yeah, yeah. and I don't know if I said that on the podcast. I think we did that in the pre-talk, but I was telling Annalisa that you know, because I'm in it, and I'll go into my current transits and my chart to kind of like illustrate why that might be. But I think you know, prepping for this talk, I realized that I have been in my own little state of depression here for for a small period of time, a little less small than I'd like, but you know. It's it. 
that's what it, it dawned on me. And it, it's good to have those, you know, those moments of realization. We were like, wait, hold on. Maybe everything's not okay. Maybe there's something, a bigger thing going on here. Um, and so that that's valuable to know. But like I said, you know, you might not know until you start like diagnosing kind of the symptoms, um, you know, and some of those symptoms might be such as maybe you have a loss of interest in, uh, you know, things that you used to love to do, or you take less pleasure and activities in, in general. Sometimes there can be, uh, you know, weight loss or there can be weight gain, just fluctuations of some sort on sometimes even eating, you know, things within that. Uh, there can be either, you know, trouble getting to sleep or just sleeping all the time. I know that it tends to go more on the sleeping all the time for, uh, at least people that I know have, who've suffered from depression. Um, but it can also be things like, cause you know, I think depressed, you think slow and sluggish and, you know, and that's totally possible, but there is, you know, agitation and, and irritation and restlessness and kind of Mars activities that go on with depression too, which, um, you know, because I think a lot of people, uh, at least in my mind, you know, a lot of times depression is actually comes on because of repressed anger and it doesn't have anywhere to go. And then at that point you just stuff it down and then it's like kind of attacking the self in this depressive way. I mean, have you found that at all? Kind of like maybe like an anger tie in at all? Yeah, definitely. I noticed in some of the charts too, like an afflicted Mars was kind of prominent in some of the charts where um, there'd be like a Saturn square to Mars or something like that. So I definitely feel like that could be relevant from just some of the people I looked at. And then for me, I feel like um, not maybe not so much anger on a personal level, but it could be, uh, I also suffer from anxiety. So Mm. I'll have this kind of like... uh, a lot of a lot of activity followed by the kind of need for complete isolation it's like one or the other where it's just like i'm so busy avoiding myself and then eventually i just kind of burn out mm. and have to go down deep and cut everyone off and just you know be only with myself and so that's also i think kind of a weird way it can manifest. If you suffer from anxiety and depression, it's like a slow and a fast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. And then you're just like, ah, it all ends pretty much there. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. And well, and that's the thing too, like you said, like kind of the extreme nature, because that's what we're going to actually notice in, uh, you know, some of the astrological signatures is, you know, extreme signatures where you either there's like a, uh, solid emphasis of, you know, a particular type of, you know, maybe like all water or, and they don't have any fire or, you know, like the, just in, imbalances in some way, because, you know, ideally, wouldn't it be great if everyone had a perfectly balanced chart and we were all working with the four elements and everything was talking about, you know, uh, but 99.9% of charts don't look that way. And that's why you're not alone. But, uh, you know, that's kind of the thing that can, uh, cause in it just imbalance in general is in imbalance in the chart because nothing is there to serve the purpose of, of balancing out or giving that it the, the other sign. Um, 
Now, just a couple other things with the with chronic depression, you know, being tired uh, and without energy, you know, that, that's probably gets into that slow down or that sleeping all day. Um, you know, trouble concentrating or making decisions, which actually this has been a, a bane of my existence recently. And I was just chalking it up to all the Libra planets that were going on in the sky. Uh, but now only Mars is left and I'm still in this space. Uh, so I thought that was an interesting characteristic of chronic depression as well. Uh, and then last but not least, you know, thoughts of suicide, which is usually, you know, the, the extreme, the extreme, um, but not uncommon, not uncommon at all. So you, you check in any of those boxes? <laughs> oh yeah. Tons of them. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh yes. So, well, once again, you know, if you are checking these boxes too, you are not alone. <laughs> Of the things too, like I have a handful of clients, you know, we attract the people yeah. like as practitioners that need us and that also reflect us. And, um, I, I get a lot of people that come to me that have anxiety and have depression. And I think that the biggest thing for me is telling them that like, I also have this, you know, and I have tools in my toolbox and I'm just trying to add more tools in my toolbox. I think you're setting yourself up for failure to think that you're never going to have anxiety or depression ever again. If you're somebody who's prone to it, I think that the best thing you can do is just connect with other people that also are going through what you're going through and are um, coping and managing it in healthy, constructive ways and then getting help when you are having a hard time doing those things for yourself. And I think um, having like a strong support system around you and not just people that are there for you, but people that get it, that have experienced it. And I think that that's kind of why I love astrology so much is it's kind of a way to, you know, like I said earlier, like you are making sense of yourself in a way that is kind of like, okay, like here's how I'm wired. I'm more prone to this. So it might be something I'm constantly having to cope with or find tools to deal with, but at least I can be like, okay, Pisces moon, like it's time to get grounded. I can compartmentalize it better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Cause it's, it's, it's far. I mean, I would say it's far more beneficial most of the time to be able to have a confidant or speak to someone who is, can relate to you on some level because it's not just all speculation or, you know, like the person's like, oh no, I get it, you know, and everybody's experience is different, you know, but uh, it is helpful to have, you know, the dialogue or the connection or the ear of someone who can relate to you um, because sometimes that's all you need, you know, because that's the characteristic that we were talking about is the idea that depression pulls you back, right? It's, you know, you, you can isolate yourself or, and, and become more apathetic about, you know, m- most things. But that isolation and that aloneness, you know, essentially that is, you know, that is the, the ice break, the ice. <laughs> I'm using a lot of Saturn world words here. Um, <laughs> it is a Saturn word. And sometimes all you have to do is connect and reach out, you know, and, and just having a conversation with someone else about, you know, how you're feeling or like, sometimes that can be just the thing that, you know, breaks the ice in a sense and, and the warmth kind of comes back in. Um, but sometimes you have to do that on your own accord and you have to be able to realize, you know, like, wait, something's off here. And, you know, cause that's the thing is like, it's like almost a catch 22 is like, you're not, uh, 
you know, propelled to necessarily connect, you know, you're pulling back, but at the same time, no one's going to know how you feel or what's going on inside unless you uh, actively do so. So, you know, it's... I think it's a good segue into talking about one of the main Saturn placements that I think most people, it was funny because I was talking to Evelyn from Astrum Council and I was like, oh, I'm going to be on Melissa's podcast today. Do you have any, I told her what the subject was and I was like, do you have any uh, thing that you want me to give you an honorable mention on, you know, depression in the birth chart. And I just knew she was going to say it because we'd already talked about it. And I feel like the big one is Saturn on the ascendant or on the sun, you know, some Mm -hmm. kind of affliction with Saturn in that way. And I feel like what you're talking about right now in terms of how it can be hard sometimes to break the barrier of depression or of that slowness would be like a Saturn on the ascendant where you isolate and maybe you don't feel like you can express yourself. You feel like there's some kind of block preventing you from being able to ask for help or be yourself. And so it kind of stifles and becomes that, that plug, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was one that she was like, I was like, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but yes. I feel like that's um, kind of a good in relation to what you're saying. Saturn is definitely up there, you know, because Saturn, we always think about Saturn and the harsh realities of life. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dense, you know, it's actually, you know, the barrier of, you know, before we even saw the outer planets and, you know, with the naked eye, we'd see Saturn. It was the farthest planet away. It was like literally the known barrier for all that was existing as, you know, so it has that, that limiting feel to it. And like we were saying earlier with, you know, seasonal depression and getting to winter uh, and winter is essentially, you know, Capricorn and Aquarius season. So really, uh, and keep in mind as we talk about some of these signatures of like what could be more depressed, you know, depressive scenarios or, you know, feelings to the surface, um, usually you're going to need like, you know, several of these to come together. It's not going to be like, oh, I have Saturn on the Ascendant and I'm just going to be, you know. So you're going to need a couple things, but that's a strong indication, you know, having Saturn on an angle, uh, especially the Ascendant um, or the Midheaven, I would say, or really any angle, um, or having uh, Saturn ruled signs, you know, if you have a stellium in Capricorn or or Aquarius, um, or, uh, you know, having your luminaries, in in a square uh, in a square to Saturn, or sometimes I would think maybe even well, because that's what I uh, okay. Preface, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I had sent uh, Elisa an article uh, that's over um, by Judith Hill called "The Astrology of Depression." So we were just kind of kind of look at that, and one of the things uh, that Judith Hill was saying is she's she was noticing in some of the depression charts that she was looking at is that they, she wanted a square to save things. Uh, right. Sometimes, you know, because square brings action, we're going to challenge this and, and there's going to be friction here, but uh, it could be almost harder to have like, you know, and I have a moon in Capricorn in a Saturn ruled sign, trying Saturn in Virgo, right? So they're speaking, they're having a, a lovely conversation. <laughs> it's just all going back and forth. And so there's no need to combat that Saturn, you know, influence into my, my lunar perception. And, and the moon is a huge thing when it comes to, um, you know, how you're feeling. Because essentially that's a very, you know, a key point of depression is how are you feeling? And so, yeah, Saturn, 
Saturn all over the place. <laughs> but, um, but also we started this with our water signs. Uh, and so let's, let's talk about that. So Saturn, okay. So we're, it's, by the way, it's late at night. I love that we're recording. Whenever I record with Annalisa, we have, usually have to record at night and I'm like a total daytime person. So I get a little <laughs> loopy, um, just FYI. I also like that we're recording this under a first quarter uh, moon in Aquarius. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's awesome. And we're recording this right as Mars is scoring Pluto in the skies. So if we had, we couldn't get a better signature. With Mercury retrograde and Scorpio and yeah. Scorpio. So that's like depression meltdown right yeah. now. So, yeah, we literally have a depression chart going on yeah. as we as we speak right now. <laughs> um, but some of the things that uh, Judith was talking about in that uh, her write up there, and if you've ever kind of looked back at some of the traditional terms for certain, you know, astrological signatures, uh, we hear, uh, especially earth signs, um, well, just the depressing, let's not do an element to anything. Just, you know, the depression, depression nature is kind of a, a melancholic nature. And so some signatures are more melancholic than, than others. Um, and I'm thinking that, you know, earth and, and especially water fit into that, especially water. So what, what are your thoughts on the whole on, on water and, and how that yeah, messes I mean, things up. When I go, like, when I think of depression in a chart off the top of my head, the main things I'm thinking about are water signs, water houses, Saturn, and the moon. And whether I'm looking to see what Saturn's doing, what the moon's doing, and if there's a heavy water influence in the chart, whether it's in the houses, the water houses, like, especially the 12th house, or, um, if they just have a lot of water placements in their chart in general. But after reading that article and looking at these charts that I pulled up for our podcast, now there's some extra things that I'm definitely going to be looking at. And, but I think that that's a good place to start for anybody. If you're, if you're somebody with a lot of water energy, you're probably going to be more prone to depression or just bouts of feeling very emotional and needing to isolate yourself. And um, if you have a afflicted moon in any way that could be in an earth or a water sign, I feel like that can also be kind of a good, uh, easy go-to for a yeah. depression signature. Yeah. Especially when you're getting that extra water going on, you know, and I know a lot of, I know a lot of listeners out there that are like, I see it come up, you know, every once in a while, oh, I have the um, triple water, you know, like, and that I, I'm, I'm, double water. I've got, you know, the sun cancer and, uh, Scorpio rising. I'm like, what am I again? And then the, and then the Saturn driven moon, um, there, uh, and you have that Pisces moon, right. You know, um, I have a lot of, I have a water, uh, I guess it's not a grand trine because it's too wide, but Pluto and Scorpio. Mm. And then I've got Chiron and Jupiter and cancer with the part of fortune and cancer. And then my moon in Pisces. Yeah. So you have a sign based grand trying going on, basically. Right. Which, you know, that can do the job. That's still planets operating in water signs, basically. In a, almost exact trying to Chiron. Well, and you know what's interesting is actually in that article, uh, what Judith was saying uh, was 
there can actually be more of a of a, a disconnect or a struggle when planets are um, not con- they're connected, but they're not connected tightly. You know, like yeah. uh, and and so there there's room, you know, to for vacillation there or, or confusion or you know depending on the person, of course. But I thought that was very interesting because I have one of those charts that everything is so tight in it. Like, you know, a degree gets hit and the whole chart's like, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, but that was an interesting point uh, to that and how there can, you know, that lack of like, you know, glue uh, with the aspects. They're still speaking, but they're speaking in like kind of a telephone conversation or like a half, you know, like <laughs> whispering things here and there. Um, so that, that was interesting to me. And it was also with Mars because like I was saying earlier with the whole, you know, anger seeding down and going within and then turning into depression itself. Um, you, I liked what she was saying about, uh, Mars in in air signs is just irritating, <laughs> which yeah. as a Mars and Gemini, I'm like, check. Yeah. Um, and then in water, it makes it boil. So it's yeah. like, uh, it, that made a lot of sense to me as well. Because I always notice that with Mars and air signs, being one myself, it's like, we get, it's ah, really, it's because essentially, you know, we're talking about mental health. We're talking about mental health and emotional health meeting and working yeah. together. Um, so, so yeah, and I will say this right quick before we jump into one of your chart examples, I'm eager to get in there. Um, but I saw, uh, Christina Caudill had posted something on Facebook earlier today and I was like, that's perfect timing. She had a little mem that said, uh, oh, meme, sorry. I always say that wrong. (laughs) Um, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief. And so I just started thinking about that, how, you know, depression, as I said, can be, for some of us can be anger that's repressed. Yet when we get down into the anger and why it's there in the first place, a lot of times it's over grief, you know? Uh, And so, so we see this chain of command. We see this chain of the kind of emotions uh, at play and how, when they become, you know, stuffed or like you were saying earlier, compartmentalized in some way, you know, I feel like depression is then kind of an end result uh, in some ways. So, um, yeah. all right. Um, my mom has a saying with that too, that's sad before mad. Sad before mad. And yeah. She always says, remember sad before mad. So she'll say that in reference to if you're dealing with someone who's angry, the way that you can hold compassion for them in your heart is to remember sad before mad, that if they're mad, they're probably operating from a sad place. Of course, me being the daughter, I'll be like, no, I was angry first and I'm not (laughs) (laughs) This isn't one of those times. (laughs) I'm just mad right now. (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, sad, not mad. That's that's true, you know, because... Mad is just a reactionary thing. Mad's just like, that's just how, what I have to do because that's how I'm feeling. But why am I mad? Why? There's always a why to you're mad, you know? Right. (laughs) Well, there's a why to most things. It's not sadness, it's fear-based. And the two usually live in the same world, right? Yeah. Mm, you're speaking Saturn once again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, <how> Saturn. <laughs> Saturn. All right. So okay. <laughs> who, who do we have up on the, who, who's the first chart that you were taking a look at? Well, I printed a lot. 
So I'm going <laughs> to give her, I, I got really into this project once I started and my mutable energy, my Mercury and Mars and Virgo just wanted to keep going, but I did take a stopping point. So the, the focus for me on depression and astrology, I went to suicide because I thought that was the best example of people whose lives already ended and at their own hand because they were not able to, you know, cope with it any longer. And what my goal was in terms of just pulling this up was just to see um, what stuff we already kind of assumed, you know, in terms of water signs and Saturn and moon afflictions and stuff, what was there and just kind of talking about that. But then what else maybe if any similarities that maybe we didn't think about or, you know, just stuff like that. We don't have to get into each person, but I'm just going to kind of uh, go through everyone and say what their sun and their moon was because Mm -hmm. that was pretty interesting to me. Um, Anthony Bourdain, who died on February 11th of 2010, um, he was a cancer sun with a Capricorn moon. So, um, Oh, like me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He also had Saturn in Scorpio and Mars and Pisces. So that's the water. I'm going to, there's other stuff I want to talk about in relation to these, but I'm just going to start with that. Um, so that was a suicide in Feb- on February 11th, 2010. Um, Robin Williams, who committed suicide on August 11th of 2014, was also a cancer son with Uranus and Mars conjunct in cancer and a Pisces moon conjunct his North Node, Scorpio rising. rising. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saturn and Earth sign Virgo. Um, then Ernest Hemingway, who committed suicide on uh, July 2nd, 1961, was also a Cancer son with a Capricorn moon. Damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he had Venus in Cancer. His descendant was in Pisces and his Jupiter was in Scorpio. Mm. And these are just the tips of the iceberg. When you get to the South Node and Pluto on these charts, it's and even the Venus afflictions, I'm like, what? Um, so we'll go back to that. But um, Hunter S. Thompson committed suicide February 20th, 2008. He had Saturn on the Ascendant. Um, he was a Cancer Sun conjunct Pluto mm. with Mars in Scorpio and Jupiter in Capricorn. Um, Kurt Cobain was a Pisces Sun with Mercury, Venus, and Saturn all in Pisces, a Cancer Moon, mm-hmm. Jupiter in Cancer. Mars, South Node, and Neptune all in Scorpio. He's, he's like the water beyond all water, that, that chart. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> and one such an interesting thing to think about, too, when we look at something like the, maybe the moon in, in Cancer, you know, because we're like, oh, that's the moon's, you know, domicile. That's where it likes to be. And I am one of those people that, you know, a planet functioning well in a sign is all well and great. As long as it's functioning in a way that is functioning, you know, right. because it's, if it's in its domicile and it's good at going to moon things, uh, you know, that's, it's, that can be de- depressing in, in many ways. And yeah, he, yeah, I remember looking at his chart and I'm like, well, geez, you know. <laughs> he's got some intense stuff that was just, it's a, he's holding a lot for others because his moon in yeah. this starts at the 10th in the 10th house like that's not that's the opposite house you know that it's supposed to be in um at least in placidus i'm not looking at the whole sign 
Um, and then Alexander McQueen, who committed suicide on June 8th, 2018, he was a new moon baby, Pisces moon, North node, his North node was technically Aries, so never mind, but zero degrees Aries, um, sun, moon, Pisces, and then um, he was a Scorpio rising. And then we have Marilyn Monroe, who her North Node was in Cancer, Saturn in Scorpio, and her Mars. And so this is, I had two people that were air dominant. And they were my kind of side people where we would look at some other things in their chart other than the water emphasis. And my last water emphasis person, besides the grunge guys that all died, um, was Sylvia Plath. And I thought it was interesting. Alexander McQueen and Sylvia Plath committed suicide um, the same day of the month, February 11th. Hmm. Uh, Obviously a lot of years apart, but she was a Scorpio um, with Mercury and Scorpio and Pluto and Cancer. Well, let's think about that though. February 11th, that's Aquarius season. That is a Saturn. We're in the dead of winter. Yep. There was a lot of Aquarius energy too. Um, so that was the other thing, the air dominant people, I had two air dominant people that kind of broke the water emphasis, even though they still have water in their charts, but Marilyn Monroe was a Gemini with an Aquarius moon and, um, she died during Leo season. And then Virginia Woolf was another air dominant. She was an Aquarius with a Gemini rising and, um, didn't actually have a lot of water in her chart, but she had a stellium in the 12th house. She had the moon, Saturn, Neptune, Jupiter, Pluto, and the south node all in the 12th house, which is pretty nuts. And uh, the moon wasn't in Taurus, but Taurus was herself. Her, Taurus was her 12th house in Placidus house system. So, um, yeah. So anyways, that was, I thought, kind of a fun thing to look at. And then the other thing that Judith Hill talked about in the article. So that was just kind of what I found on my own without going too deep, just printing out the charts. And then I went deeper with Judith Hill's article and just kind of looking at some of the stuff that she was talking about. And one of the main things that I found was the South node conjunct a personal planet or like a major planetary body. And then also um, there was some afflictions to Venus in some of the charts. And then Pluto was a pretty big emphasis in these charts, which makes sense because they committed suicide. So, you know, obviously I would think Pluto would probably have something to do with that. But um, the South Node and Anthony Bourdain's chart was uh, pretty close to his natal Mercury. Um, the, it was conjunct Mercury and Gemini. And then uh, for Robin Williams, his South Node was conjunct Venus and Virgo. Those are mutable signs. Um, Ernest Hemingway had south node conjunct Neptune and Gemini. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson had his south node conjunct Venus in Gemini. Hmm. This is a lot of Gemini, right? What does Gemini <laughs> relate to a lot of times? What do we associate mentally with Gemini? Well, we know that uh, Gemini can definitely go uh, back and forth, you know, and that uh, has that kind of almost bipolar type of nature to it. So, you know, especially, uh, I mean, it's, I've noticed it in certain moons uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we said, you know, and, and just because if you have any of these signatures, you know, it's, it takes a lot of things to come together to get there. Um, but yeah, the Gemini part, and that's actually what Judith was saying in that article 
uh, was, you know, because a lot of times when you look at like the uh, humors of, um, you know, traditional humors, and they would say, you know, all air signs are essentially hot and moist signs. But she was like, say that to the Aquarius, you know, in the dead of winter that's ruled by Saturn. It doesn't seem very hot and moist to it, does it now? Um, and, it's cold and dry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cold and dry. Uh, and she was saying the same about Gemini in her mind. Like it didn't really have that, that hot, uh, you know, hot, moist. She's like, I can find some for Libra, but, but Gemini uh, and Aquarius, definitely. And so here you are, you're list- <laughs> listing, you know, Aquarius and Gemini. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's in, it's in relation to these water-dominant people, right? So it's like, these are all water-dominant people with this south node and an air sign with a personal planet, which is really fascinating to me. And Kurt Cobain had his south node not conjunct Neptune or Mars, but in relation to what you were saying, like it's almost harder. They're like telephoning each other. His was right in between Mars and Neptune in Scorpio, um, mm. which is, you know, interesting. More That just emphasizes the water. And then his, so Pluto in his chart was conjunct Uranus on his ascendant. Um, in Virgo. So that's also, that was opposing some of the other planets. Like Venus was conjunct Saturn in his chart. Um, and even though Venus, that's another thing too, we're saying like Venus in Pisces is exalted, but it's conjunct Saturn in Pisces. So is that really a placement? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. And it's opposing Pluto conjunct Uranus, you know, on well, this. It, you know what's so interesting about that it comes to mind is like, well, especially, well, in Kurt Cobain's case is, so here we see this, you know, exalted uh, Venus in Pisces, conjunct Saturn, of course. Um, and then it's looking over at Jupiter, which is exalted in Cancer. Um, and so here we have a man who actually was afflicted mostly by what he had to uphold in society. You know, he was put on this, platform for his, you know, artistic creations. And he found it very hard to exist at that point because so much was expected of him. And that's the thing with exalted planets is like they they feel nice in their sign and they're brought up in some way, but they don't necessarily have the, you know, the staying power that the domicile would, you know, you still kind of have to work for it in some way or like, you know, and it just, he wasn't able to do that. It wasn't an interest of his, but everybody else, you know, uh, put him you know, his life was overtaken by what the world wanted from him at that point. Uh, and for a Pisces, you know, stellium like he had, that can be incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> um, you know, and that's the thing with water is that because like we were saying earlier, you know, water is just so permeable uh, that it can be hard to find those boundaries um, and it can be very easy to get overwhelmed. And we're seeing the beauty of water and all these fine examples that you have. Like you have listed basically a whole list of creative geniuses, right? Right. They're geniuses. They're geniuses. Yeah. However, we see that you, the flip side of it, you know, and that's always the thing I say the, to us water folk is like, you know, our sensitivity is our gift, but we also have to learn how to work with it because, uh, you know, I, I get, can get so overwhelmed so easily. And especially when it comes to other people, their, their demands on me or even their thoughts of me or whatever, you know, it's, it's a very sensitive 
place. Um, and in one that, especially in cancer, that holds, you know, memory, because that's the thing too, is it like it stores mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. And so, oh, bless, bless Kurt's heart. And cancer rules that sacral chakra, which is where we store trauma. So it makes sense to, you know, cancer people have that good memory in there. Yeah. Not able to let go. <laughs> yeah. Well, not able to let go. That's the, that's what we're looking at here too. Yeah. Um, and same with Saturn, you know, Saturn it, it has, it has a glue to it. It sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's kind of, that, that's an interesting quality to, to the depression itself and, and what one might want to ask themselves is, you know, what needs to be let go in some sense in order to get past, you know, that particular place that has gone to um, in some ways. And one of the things she said in that article that once I started looking at the self node thing that was interesting was she was saying how like the Hindu astrologers that are very past life and reincarnation focused are, you know, kind of thinking that the depression or the um, trauma that you're feeling over and over again and is like residue from a past life in yeah. some way and that you figure out or diagnose what that is, then you can relieve it in this life. And I find that concept, uh, since I've been studying karma and reincarnation kind of a lot this year, um, just in terms of the belief systems in various religions and kind of the perceptions of it in the Indian traditions, um, it's just an interesting concept when you do see Pluto and the South Node, which are, you know, very much... And Saturn and the moon, right? The moon, Saturn, Pluto, the south node, all in evolutionary astrology, which I'm not an evolutionary astrologist, but those are, you know, kind of the focuses in evolutionary astrology of like past life and reincarnation and seeing those in these charts of these people that were really smart and really genius and really brought something to the world, but suffered and struggled so much in themselves um, in this depressed way. And if you do believe in reincarnation and karma and all of that, and seeing that here, it's like, it's just, it's fascinating to me. I just think it's really interesting. And as somebody who has a lot of that kind of stuff in my chart, um, it just makes me feel more connected, I guess, to that process, that tortured artist, you know, (laughs) feeling where it's like, you know, who knows if these people had had astrology to kind of look at themselves, if that would have helped at all, you know, because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. And that's a great point. And that's the beauty of astrology that we can, you know, look at these two certain signatures and be like, oh, okay. Well, you know, because a lot of times we can get through, you know, the, the what of things if we know why, you know, why do I feel this way? Oh, I have this relationship and this, this is kind of like, a, you know, this planetary relationship uh, affects me in certain ways uh, and it's something that I have to learn to work with. But now that you know that, you know that versus this uncertainty and this overwhelm of like, oh, you know, it's just life and I can't, you know, it, it just gives you context. And that's like the beauty of, of things like astrology. Now, a flip, weird flip side that I had noted uh, in some notes earlier here um, is that some people actually can become depressed when they go down this rabbit hole. 
because then yeah. existential questions come up and, and they've gone too much. That's, uh, that's my sad rising right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, and so then we find ourselves on the flip side of things where some of this, uh, you know, uh, you, uh, mystic knowledge, mystical knowledge uh, can bring on such things as depression because it, you know, depending on how you're looking at it, where you're getting the information from, you know, the overwhelm of all that this brings, you know, there is, there is that too. So just kind of FYI. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. And once you go down, you can't go back. So just that be is careful true. the doors that you open. <laughs> yeah. That How is true. You want to go. Yeah. That's good advice. <laughs> I, um, there was one other thing in relation to that, that I was going to say, but I lost it. That's okay. Maybe I'll come back later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, agree with that sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. So where, where are we at here? I'm like, I've got so many windows open. I'm like, where's my agenda? Where's my agenda? Yeah. So we were talking about, we talked about, uh, yeah. Cause that was interesting. The South node quality. Um, and I mean, I have a Pisces South node, so it already, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and I Mars square my nodes with Saturn on the North node. So I have, I definitely have uh, some nodal action that plays into this as, as well. And I know you have your sun on your South node, uh, right? Do you have anything else yeah. there? I have, no, I just have sun conjunct the South node. But it's That's a luminary. Right. Yeah, and so, I, I had Saturn conjunct Neptune. Oh yeah, because you were born. You were you're one of those special babies born in the yeah. late eighties. <laughs> and that I feel like is a lot of besides having a Pisces moon with the other water placements, and then it, like in Placidus, my son is in the eighth house um, with that South Node, and then uh, Saturn conjunct Neptune, like all that kind of stuff. Definitely mm-hmm. with Sag rising. Uh, which, well, and that's, that's kind of the, well, okay. So that being said, and you know, and you're a representative of these, you know, heavily Capricorn babies that uh, were coming out in the late eighties there. Uh, and now we have Saturn and Pluto coming around, um, you know, in this area and just Saturn in Saturn's own sign for the last, you know, how long has it been now? It's been almost a couple of years. Um, yeah. You know, these are, that's, that's another thing that's at play is like, you know, as transits come into the picture, uh, mundane in the sky, but also how they inter- interact with your own chart. Um, you know, these are, these are the examples that no one's immune because, you know, the planets are on the move there so they can bring these type, you know, these types of things up and people might be feeling a little bit more on, uh, you know, there might be more cases of, I'd be willing to bet, even though I have no proof of this or no statistical evidence, but I'd be willing to bet that probably, uh, you know, documented cases of depression are up. Um, Mm -hmm. especially as we have, you know, Saturn and Pluto about to meet in the skies, Saturn in its own sign, you know, these are, we, we talk about that all the time and we feel like the world is heavy right now in many regards. And of course that is going to reflect on us as, as people, you know, I've talked about climate grief before on the podcast and, uh, you know, and those can bring depressive situations. So that's just an FYI too, with, you know, the current landscape of planets, you know, although Jupiter and Sad just trying to do what it can, but it's moving into Capricorn in a month's time. So (laughs) less than a month's time. So we're about to have Capricorn central up in this, 
piece, especially during winter. So just, you know, kind of just prep your head with that knowing, you know, because <laughs> knowledge is power. When you get there, then you have context, right? Yeah. I'm excited to see what Jupiter brings to the table because I love Jupiter, but it's also scary in terms of the political climate and what's happening in the world. Yes. And that's, yes, we will have to, we will have to see it will, because it, you know, it's a thing. And we were talking about this earlier uh, with the, the charts themselves is like, we are going to be in a, in a sky soon that is very uh, heavy in one area, right? You know, mundane wise, we have a lot of focus that is, that is culminating in a particular sign here coming up. Um, so that's going to create more extremes because there isn't as much emphasis bouncing off in, in other places there. Um, and one, one of the reasons why I was like, oh, Saturn and Pluto is because for me right now and why, like we're, as we're recording this and I was like going to the checklist and I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm kind of checking off these, all these boxes right now. And I'm, you know, my Mercury and Jupiter conjunction in Leo will save me a lot of the time because it's, you know, my mind tries to stay optimistic. Like I try to always find, like, even when I'm in that place, I'm trying to step outside and see this bigger picture, you know, Mercury, Jupiter. Um, but then I started thinking about my chart and, you know, stepping back for a second in this moment, I have Saturn conjunct my moon, natal moon in the skies by transit. I also have my progressed moon is exactly conjunct my sun in cancer, which is opposing my moon and transit Saturn. And I was born with a Pluto's T-square to my luminaries. So all that is being activated with Pluto as well. And so as I started to think about that, I'm like, I felt like I got, I got like a, you know, a hall pass or something. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Even if I am feeling this way, I'm like, I feel like I, I'm legitimized because I know like what has brought me, you know, to this somewhat low point, you know, that, <laughs> that I'm feeling. And so just knowing that, even though I'm still in it, kind of gave me, you know, kind of what I needed to get even more perspective of, of why that might be. It gives you a good framework. So you feel like you, and that's the thing too, with the planets, they all have these archetypal energies that once you kind of identify with what the archetype is, you can kind of figure out how to utilize it in your life of being like, okay. And that's one of the things like I've been, I have a really big fascination with Vedic astrology and I feel like I just slowly kind of read little snippets and stuff. But they, one of the things I was watching and somebody's YouTube video was how a lot of times the Vedic astrologers will see things like that going on in your chart. They'll be like, you have this T-square going on. And if you are you know, familiar with Hindu culture, you'll know what um, different prayers or yoga mm-hmm. kind of things that you know exist in the religion or in the culture. And the astrologer will prescribe you know, certain foods or certain exercises or meditations to do that are associated with those transits or those planets. So if they're like, oh, your Mars is afflicted, you need to go do breath of fire for 20 minutes and eat this herb, you know, here, buy this. There's kind of like a Ayurvedic thing that yeah. will sometimes go with it. And I, I feel like I will kind of sometimes inadvertently do that for myself because I'm interested in those things. But I realize if you're not somebody that knows how to utilize the archetypes of the planets in relation to what to do with it, then it can kind of be useless information. And so that's something I think us in the Western world could start trying to 
you know, figure out ways to prescribe ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Rather than being like, this is what's going on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, and then, <laughs> you know, like, what do I do with it though? Yeah. You know? And uh, I like that about the, the, the Hindu, like Indian kind of philosophy is on life, the mind, body, soul connections. To yeah. So I'm kind of trying to do that more for myself. I need to get back out of, um, I had a, I was doing the Saturn chant for a while. Uh, the one that Kelly Surtees had posted online oh, cool. to work with, uh, I'm trying to remember it goes now. Um, it's something like that. I haven't done it in a couple of months, but, um, no, I think I'm going to get back in there yeah, <laughs> and, and get Saturn on my side. Cause that's the thing is it's like, you know, you, once you work with the, the energies and kind of honor them in some way, because that's the thing is like Saturn. Yeah. We can talk about, you know, the, the, the downsides, uh, to, to Saturn. Um, but you know, that kind of heavy factor, <laughs> but it has a purpose. It, you know, yeah. it, it has a big, it has a bigger purpose. Uh, and, and, and Saturn also takes context because that's the thing too. I was like when uh, Michael Luton had said, you know, like I'm paraphrasing roughly here, but he was just like, you know, Saturn, you know, if Saturn's reality, like it's like, it's your version of reality. You know, reality is what you make it. Like it's, <laughs> you know, you're as heavy as you are because this lens is, is there. And so sometimes there needs to be more work done with that or ways to counterbalance it too. You know, maybe I need to uh, incorporate a little, a little Jupiter, a little jupe jupe action <laughs> in the, the chant. Um, so, you know, it is different for, for everyone, of course, but, but uh, like that was a light bulb moment for me. Cause that's the thing is I get so into planets and, and, you know, I'm looking at other people's charts. Sometimes, you know, you forget what your own is doing at times. I always forget what's happening in my chart all the time. And I'll be like, why do I feel this way? And then I'll look and I'll be like, oh my gosh, like, how did I not even think about that right now? You know? I know. It's like, duh. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm always looking at other people's stuff, and it's fun. It's more fun to look at other people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, but I remembered the other thing I was going to say that um, I forgot earlier. I think that the other thing about learning these things in your chart that can be helpful is learning to like depression is so heavy, right? Like it mm. feels like that Saturn weight, but learning how to kind of not take it so seriously sometimes is positive, I think. And, um, learning to laugh at yourself through the pain of it. And I say that in the sense that I have a lot of friends in my life that have been diagnosed with disorders, whether it's, you know, depression or bipolar disorder or anxiety. And I, I hear them a lot of times having a sense of humor about it. And then me being the astrologer in the situation, I'm always using astrology as a way to also make them laugh about it. And I had a friend who was like, you know, I'm pretty sure that I have ADHD and I'm talking to doctors right now about getting it diagnosed. And I was like, why do you need to do that? You're a Gemini. Of course you have ADHD. Yeah. And she started laughing because of my response was, you know, with humor instead of like, you know, I, I tend to try to make people laugh about stuff that they're, you know, feeling traumatized by just to kind of give some comic relief, not to diminish the reality of, 
the fact that it sucks to go through that stuff. But there can also be some, I think astrology can kind of be that like, instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. Why am I so depressed? You can be like, well, I'm a cancer. (laughs) Of course I'm going to be moody. I'm a cancer, you know, and it's got this kind of way that you can lighten the load a little bit instead of feeling so under the weight of the emotion. Right. And well, and that's a way to get, that's a way to get around it. And like, that's probably why I, when I, if I turn on the TV, I am going to, I'm watching something that's funny. Like yeah. that is just where I'm going. I'm either watching stand up or I'm what, you know, I'm just watching something that's going to make me laugh because that really is my medicine in, in many medicine. ways. Yeah. You know, cause I don't, which is always funny because my partner, he wants to watch like a horror movie. He wants to watch like, you know, true crime drama. And don't get me wrong, my Scorpio rising can get down with some true crime. But, you know, like that's, I, you have to deal with the world enough. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to watch something. I just want to kind of like have a good laugh. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right about that because that's the thing is depression is taking us somewhere very heavy. And the, the antidote to that is something light, you know? And that's when the, that's, and it sounds counterintuitive because, you know, depression makes you want to pull back. Um, but reaching out, connecting with another, you know, reaching out to your friend that has a little more fire in their chart and is going to like, you know, (laughs) like be at Elisa there and like make you laugh when the sad rising comes out and is like, ah, you know, these are, these are great antidotes to, and and it's not hard. It doesn't cost money. You know, it's, it, it just takes a little, uh, it takes a little bravery and, you know, that's what's interesting. Um, actually, I've been uh, I've been reading a, a particular tarot thing on uh, on the. Uh, my, this is when my brain's getting loopy. The Mercury retrograde is coming in <laughs> um, with uh, tarot and, and cups um, and how uh, they're associated with uh, the term "I dare." And I was like, "I dare." Like, hmm, never really thought about it that way. But then I started, then it, it made so much sense because when, you know, cups and, and water, there is, you know, there's emotions there, there's heart there, there's like, there's that vulnerability, that soft underbelly. Uh, and really, in order to express that and be that sensitive person and, and, you know, and be that creative genius that as we saw, you have to dare, you have to be, there has to be some level of like, daring to that because it's so vulnerable in so many ways. And so, uh, you know, that might be part of the challenge is to dare yourself in order to get out of it, you know, to be able to reach out to the friend that's going to make you laugh, to watch that thing on TV that's not going to like, you know, suck you in further uh, into the depression. Because these are the choices that we make every day in life. Like you have a choice every second of whether or not you're going to pull further into it or you're going to try to combat it in some way. Um, and like another thing I saw, man, I'm getting all types of social media today. I saw another thing on social media where it's like our biggest addiction in life is, you know, complaining about our problems. And isn't that the truth? Like, I am so guilty of that. I'm like, <laughs> I like think about the conversations I have with my partner and I'm like, did I say anything that I, brings me joy? Did I say anything that, no, it was just like, what's wrong after what's wrong after what's wrong, you know? And it's these changes and these choices that we make in life that really, if we just kind of tweak those a little bit and maybe dare to be vulnerable in some areas and, you know, uh, we're going to find ourselves happier and more connected in the long run. Um, And yeah, 
So that's my spiel. <laughs> yeah, I love it. so speaking of connection well let me just put a couple uh there you know just depression hotlines out there if you feel you know because there's people like waiting for you to text them just to have a conversation so that you can get something off your chest which i find is think is amazing you know they're they're not getting paid for well maybe they are through a foundation but you know no money's coming out of your pocket it's just a resource to be like i feel this way i gotta get it out and so, you know, there's a, there's a online one that's called crisistextline.com. And all you got to do is uh, text CONNECT to 741741. And you can just tell them what, they're just going to ask you some questions. What's going on, you know? And the thing is, just make it a little less hot and kind of cool it down which is actually kind of reverse. We want to kind of heat it up, <laughs> make it less cold, but you know, but you get the picture. Um, so that's a resource there. And then also uh, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, which is a SAMHSA, S-A-M-H-S-A helpline. That's 1-800-662-4357. Uh, and so, you know, these are a couple things right off the bat where people, if you feel, you know, you need to talk to someone because, you know, it can be very vulnerable to like reach out to a friend or, you know, to, to put something heavy on them because that's another part of it too. So just know that if you got to get out, got to get it out or even do a trial run on someone you don't know before you share with someone that is, you know, uh, more connected in your personal life, you know, these are what these hotlines are for basically. So, um, did we did we miss anything? Do we? What, do you have any wrapping up words or uh, in, encouraging advice to send our listeners off with? <laughs> I guess if I was going to encourage anybody right now, because I've been pretty depressed so far this season, is that just because you make progress for a certain period of time and then you feel like there's a regression doesn't mean that the progress you made isn't still valid, if that makes sense. So I think a lot of times we'll think that we've conquered depression or anxiety when we're in a up state. And the thing is, is that depression and anxiety lives in certain parts of our brain in neuropathways that we've created. And if the, the younger we were, when we started experiencing depression or anxiety, the more susceptible we are to falling back into the grooves of those neuropathways. And it takes just as long, if not longer to carve new neuropathways in the brain. So you're not going to heal your trauma or your anxiety or your depression in a year or a couple weeks or um, you know, and if, if those receptors keep getting hit over and over and over again, and you aren't working any, um, new healthy dialogue or, you know, self-care and healing and rewiring the brain isn't a regular thing that you're doing that you're also getting professional help for, um, you're going to have bouts of depression and anxiety that are going to feel like you're regressing. And I think that, um, one of the biggest things that I've learned this year is that we can't do it on our own and that we need to ask for help. And sometimes our family and our friends don't know how to help us. And it's not fair to put that on our friends and family. We have to find professionals and find people that know how to help us from a professional standpoint. So, um, and there's so many different ways to get help nowadays. Like I, I have a lot of issues with Western medicine, um, not because I don't believe in it, but because I just have had negative experiences. And so just because you have one negative experience doesn't mean you should 
throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you can just keep finding, keep trying till you find somebody that works for you. So, um, yeah, I would just say that I get a lot of questions from clients who suffer from depression. If I too feel that way, because they'll see me as a spiritual person, I must not have that, or I must not feel that. And it's like, no, I do. Like I, I've, I am in a perpetual existential crisis. That is why I do astrology and tarot. That is why I have a spiritual practice. Reality freaks me out. (laughs) You're not alone. Um, And astrology is a really good way to make sense of why you feel that way. It doesn't necessarily solve it. It just kind of helps you cope with it. So that's all. That's that's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's essentially what it is, right? We coping with it, like because that's the thing is, there's no magic band aid, and there's some signatures as we talked about earlier, where you know their chances are this is going to be a reoccurring affliction uh, through life that you become stronger dealing with over time, hopefully. Um, but you know that it is it can it can be a battle. Um, but learning, you know, wellness tips and and some of the ones that you just had mentioned there, you know, that's, that's how we get, that's how we get through this because we learn as we go. Um, and that bit about the early connectors, and I don't think we talked too much about that of like, uh, I know we've touched on past life stuff, but there is definitely, you know, early stimulus in life. And maybe if you were raised by, uh, people that were suffering with depression or it runs in your ancestral line, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there can be challenges there as well. So, you know, just give yourself a pat on the back every day for making it through this crazy give world. A break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, because we, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I don't want to say it's weird because I feel like we have it much better than our ancestors did, obviously, because, you know, they, people were dying at like 30 uh, and like, you know, you'd get an infection. You didn't know if you're going to make it through the night. Um, but we live in a very chaotic, crazy world from that too. So we have our own, you know, our own stimulus that are, that's happening as well. So, you know, it's, it's hard being mortal, I guess, is what we're saying. Especially for us us water people. It's, it's hard to live. The boundary is hard. The Saturn. Right. (laughs) So limiting. It is. I'm going to crawl back into my crab shell. <laughs> when we get home, no, um, no, but I really, I loved researching for this and I think. Me too. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was really insightful. I uh, like having this podcast to give me a reason to study other things. Yeah. I feel like we got a little, you know, we had a little cathartic action for ourselves, yeah. <laughs> for ourselves. and hopefully uh, you listeners out there, uh, uh, have have gotten from something from this as well. Uh, all right. Well, you know, this is the normal time where I ask you where where can people find you? What do you got going on? Uh, yeah, you can find me at cosmiclady6.com or on Instagram at cosmiclady6. I'm also on Facebook with the same Cosmic Lady 6 name. Um, I've got this podcast going on right now. <laughs> Well, you know, you don't even need too much going on because we're just talking about it's winter, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm teaching private one-on-one classes for tarot mentorship and astrology mentorship if you do live in the Bay Area. Um, I'm only going to be in the Bay Area for probably uh, like five more months. Hopefully, I'm planning on moving down to Joshua Tree in the early spring next year. So, 
Um, hopefully you'll see me there someday <laughs> getting a reading at my magic shop that I'm starting. <laughs> I know. I can't wait. That's like so, a, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. And then I'm supposedly starting a podcast too, um, at some point. So if you want to, uh, get the details on that over the next few months, you can follow me on Instagram. Yeah. So you can find her at cosmic lady six, uh, all the way around 360, yeah. <laughs> Cosmic Lady 6. Although I don't post on Twitter, so don't follow me there. <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm not a Twitter person. I know there's a strong astrology following on Twitter, but it just, uh, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me. Yeah. I, can't, I can't sum it all up and, you know, although I think they raised the word, uh, you know, you can say more things on Twitter than you used to be able to. I think you'd have like a sentence or something. <laughs> That's all you Yeah, got. I couldn't handle that. I'm like, I'm Mars and Gemini. I'm too long-winded for Twitter. Um, (laughs) So, all right. Now, in case you missed that, even though Cosmic Lady 6 is really easy to remember, you can also always find uh, anybody that's on this podcast over on my website over at energeticprinciples.com because I always do a blog. And I'm going to post a link to uh, the Judith Hill article along with some of these resources that we provided um, as well. So you can kind of get a little one-stop visual shop of some of the things that we've talked about here today. Um, and of course, on social media, you can find me at the same. I'm 360 at Energetic Principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to support this podcast and in this endeavor, uh, you know, I encourage you to check out my Patreon, uh, where you can get either early listening uh, to the podcast, show notes to the podcast, or access to my Astro Storytime program, which is at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And of course, uh, myself and Annalisa both, you know, we are working practitioners. So if you would like to have a session, either one of us are available for that. Um, So, all right. Well, you know, hang in there, everyone. It's, it's seasonal. What is, it has an actual term. Seasonal. It's sad. It's called sad. Seasonal affective disorder. Mm. So we're in the sad people. (laughs) So before you get mad. Yeah. You get sad before mad. You get sad before mad. So keep that in mind. No, dear mom. You know, all right. Well, Annalisa, thank you for joining me on this conversation and spurring the inspiration for it as well. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. As always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.